Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network And I'm waiting for the author of Cleopatra's Vendetta to call in. She's not here yet. So let me give you an idea of what her book is about. It's called Cleopatra's Vendetta. And this takes place in present-day Italy. And she talks about a think tank named Timothy Stryker and his wife, Angie, a self-made CEO, having been seeing eye to eye. And all of a sudden, their child is kidnapped. And I have no idea where the author is right now. And I'm going to tell her again, you need to call in because this is getting, I can't, I can't stay on the air. And let me see. On the air. She didn't call in. I'm going to say again. Eastern. Now, cool. This isn't funny. And she's not here yet. I'm going to give it another five minutes, and if she doesn't call in, I'm going to have to cancel the show. Okay, so be while I'm waiting for the author to come, if she ever gets here. The 20th, I have a panel. The 23rd, I have T.J. O'Connor. On the 27th, we have Derek McGavin. On the 1st, we have K.A.K. Coretto. On the 2nd, we have the um, Invitation to Mom. On the 6th, we have Vincent Sandry, and on the 8th, we have Jeffrey Wells, and the author is still not here. So I have to find out if she's coming at all. Are you doing the interview? Are you doing the show? Well, she's not here, and what can I say? I can't do anything about it, and I'm going to hang up in a minute. Let me see again. There's nothing I could do about it. It says she's going to be on the show. It says chat with you. Perfect. Call on air. Call now. And she did not call. There's nothing I could do. Going to cancel. Going to cancel. 
if you are not going, if you are not, if you, if you do not call in now, this is not funny. I have the team's like, and we'll call in at 10 a.m. Eastern. It is 5 after 10 Eastern, and nobody is calling in. I'm going to give it another half a minute. Oh, there she is. This is Avanti Centre. Good morning. Hi, it's Fran. Hi, Hi, Fran. Yeah, well, I'm on the air for like 10 minutes. I didn't know if you were coming. It's, yeah, it's sorry. Like, I got the Zoom link from you, and I'm in Zoom. I guess I can cancel out of that. Yeah, no, it's not Zoom. It's, it's Blog Talk Radio. That's why. Okay, so uh, why did you, let's start from the beginning here. Why did you decide to create a novel about Cleopatra and the prologue? How does that set the stage for what's going to happen? Yeah, so Cleopatra's Vendetta is a really interesting novel. The historical research for Cleopatra was very um, in-depth and a lot of fun. And basically the novel was about a um, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, uh, Timothy Stryker mm-hmm. and his wife Angie, and they lost their infant son. And I wanted to, because of the theme, I wanted to tie that into something bigger than the two of them. And uh, Cleopatra, with her um, propaganda war, uh, really made the the whole story come together quite well. Well, I've read a lot about Cleopatra, Octavian, and Brutus, and all of them. So what is the controversy between her and Octavian? Because they didn't get along at all. (laughs) <laughs> no, she and Octavia did not get along. They were they ended up becoming mortal enemies. And uh the the controversy there was that Octavian um so if we if we go back in time just a little bit. So um Octavian was fighting a civil war with Mark Antony. Octavian had taken over the the throne of Rome from uh from Caesar. Uh, Caesar had given um, basically uh, Rome to Octavian, who was his great nephew, and everybody thought that Mark Antony was going to get, you know, basically the throne of Rome. Mm-hmm. Rome. So, um, so Mark Antony and uh, Octavian ended up uh, fighting in this civil war, and Mark Antony had Cleopatra on his side. So what Octavian did was he made both Mark Antony and Cleopatra look bad by spreading um, lies about her in particular. So he called her a whore, a harlot, the queen of Hades, everything he could think of to make her look bad um, and in turn make Mark Antony look bad. So that's kind of where um, a lot of the story takes off um, Mm. because we tie into – so basically I make Octavian out to be the, the head of a cult um, whose origins were even old in their time and continue to this day. That's interesting. So this part really, you know, got me too, because in, in the present time, why and how was the crown prince of Saudi Arabia killed? 
Right. So, you know, the, the answer to that question kind of comes at the end of the novel. But when we start yeah. the novel, we've got uh, Timothy Stryker, who um, is a special ops leader. And he's um, so he and Angie had gone on vacation to Italy to try to get over, um, you know, this fighting that they've got with the death of their infant son. And while he's there, uh, his director calls him off on this special mission to try to stop the Saudi prince from being a fascinated and so um, Stryker and his best friend Ray go out there to try to stop the assassination and they fail um, that's the the opening the opening scene is them trying to stop this assassination and he's he's confused because all of these different world leaders are being picked off like tin cans at a hillbilly family reunion mm. and he can't figure out why. And so he's got um, kind of three things he's trying to figure out through this novel. Um, one of them is why is everybody getting assassinated, all these different world leaders. There's nothing in common that he can think of. Um, and then uh, who kidnapped his wife? Um, and, you know, are the kidnappers the same as the people that are doing the assassinations? And then he quickly realizes that they're fascinated by something about Cleopatra, and he can't quite figure out what it is, some sort of treasure or whatnot, and he eventually realizes it's a, it's a journal that she had written and hidden, and it has the location of these kidnappers. So he's trying to find all of these things and pull all these different threads together. Um, and uh, you're right that there is eventually uh, a thread to sort of the whole Me Too movement. So there's um, some yeah. very um, modern social uh, commentary in there as well. So we have Angie and Zoe they worry about. Where are they and what happened to yep. them? And if these people had security... How did they take them? But then again, I'm reading an awful lot of murder mysteries like that and political mysteries, and people, even the president gets kidnapped in one of them. <laughs> yeah, so in this one, um, Angie is a, she's a CEO. So she's created a biofuels company. She's concerned about the environment. And um, so this vacation that she and Tim take to Bari, Italy, uh, is is a wedding, and one of the friends from college is getting married, and so she hooks up with a couple of her old sorority sisters there, and one of them has a daughter, and uh, Tim and Angie have a daughter as well, a little Harper, who's about four. And so they're all there at the wedding, and um, after the wedding, the next day is when Stryker gets called off to try to deal with this assassination, so the girls decide to do kind of a, a girls' day out, and they go to lunch, and after lunch, they decide to get a drink. And uh, they head to a bar in uh, downtown Bari. And the uh, bartender, um, at the request of some of the other mm. guests, pops some roofies into their drinks. And mm -hmm. so next thing they know, they're in the bathroom, uh, you know, vomiting and on the floor and the like. And so the kidnappers just, you know, basically pick them up and haul them off um, and, uh, and kidnap them. So... Uh, that's that's kind of how these guys get into trouble, and um, you know Angie, Zoe, and and one other friend, they they try to um, they try to fight uh, the kidnappers, but it doesn't go very well for for Zoe. All I know is that I learned a long time ago that when you go to a bar, you don't take a drink from anybody, you don't leave it anywhere, and if you go to the bathroom and leave your drink, spill it out and get another one. Because it could happen. 
Yes. And I know I know yes. that from personal experience. My friend played a joke on me, and I went oh, to yeah? the bathroom the next day. I know I was drinking. Yeah, I drank something. He put, I don't drink. I drink club soda. So you can't taste yeah. vodka. And he put right. vodka, 17, 17 shots in the drink. And, oh, my and God. What, well, yeah, I went to, oh, my God. One sip, and I knew I was, forget it. And it, you get you get very happy. Never, and they don't drink. So if somebody that does, you you don't you don't take a drink and then, then you leave it on the table because you never know if somebody could spike it. So you go and you uh, dump it. So why does Cleopatra? I love Cleopatra. Contrate mm-hmm. have so much controversy. Follow her. You know that that is kind of an, an interesting question. She is one of the mm-hmm. most um, searched for people on the internet uh, in in our lifetime yeah. and it's pretty cool because I mean she lived you know 2,000 years ago and I think it's because she is one of the most powerful women in history and mm-hmm. we have a, a culture that for the last over 2,000 years has been very patriarchal in nature you know the the men have been in power. Women didn't even get the right to vote until about 100 years ago here in this country. And so you've got this woman who was one of the most powerful rulers in history, and she was female, right? So um, mm-hmm. she she ran the army. She ran the navy. She, um, she had coins minted in her image. She was... Uh, you know, judge and and, ju- and ruler over you know disputes that were brought in. She had uh, the the world's wealthiest economy at the time. Egypt was incredibly wealthy because they'd learned how to harvest the um, the Nile and the um, mm. you know the uh, the seasons, and so they had grain that you know people nobody else had, and so. Um, and she also, uh, you know, had a relationship with two of the most powerful men in history. Um, and so I think there's some controversy about, you know, did she just use her body to seduce these men um, or was she actually uh, a smart woman? And in my research, I uncovered that she spoke nine languages, including troglodyte, which, you know, some people joke about it being a language, but at the time it was actually an Ethiopian language. So she she was incredibly smart. She was the first ruler from her line to speak Egyptian. Uh, she came. She was actually Macedonian. So Alexander the Great had conquered the country a couple hundred years before, and so some of his generals ended up um, being the line that she came from. And so she came from sort of a, a Macedonian line, and they didn't typically speak Egyptian. So I think the controversy, to bring it back to your question, mm-hmm. is really around was she smart? Was she beautiful? Was she both? You know, was she, as Rome claimed, a whore? Um, and, you know, just selling her body to these Romans to try to save her country? Or did she actually have genuine feelings for these men? Um, and, you know, it's um, I, one of the things that I talk about in the novel is how, you know, after she and Mark Anthony lost to Octavian, he had over 40 years to make her look bad. So he mm-hmm. destroyed, he was already, you know, destroying statues of her and Mark Anthony and, and you know, making the eyes bleed on them and, and such. And so the damage that he was able to do to her reputation over 40 years um, is, is uh, immense. 
And so historians have a little bit of a hard time figuring out who she really was. Um, But they've uncovered some things, like uh, one of my favorite little anecdotes about Cleopatra is she and Mark Antony uh, used to dress in disguise, and they would go bar crawling in Alexandria, which was a very modern Mm -hmm. city for the time. And so they'd they'd put on these disguises, and they'd run around, um, you know, town trying to, uh, you know, just have a good time and hear what the, you know, the scoop was on the street. So um, she's a pretty fascinating character, pretty witty, you know, kind of a jokester. So I think that's where the controversy comes from. Uh, if if you're fascinated by her, what where do you think the controversy comes from? What have you seen, Fran? I just think, you know, something, people have a habit of talking against somebody, and one says one thing, then another, then another, then another, and the, and the baloney, you know, the lies come. So people believe what they want to hear about her. Whether it's true or not, they create their own controversy. Just look at the news today. You can you can tell. So I, I would be curious to see if she actually lived now what she would do. She probably would run for president or something. Yeah. And yeah. She and she's definitely not stupid. She's smart. I mean, if you watch her movie, whatever. I don't think they've ever really depicted her as being stupid or, or not smart. She's conniving, and, and she can, she gets what she wants. She got Mark Antony, not bad. Octavia, I think Octavia mm-hmm. was just, just jealous because she didn't want him either. So it's mm-hmm. possible, you know, just like rumors, you know, all sorts of stupidity. Well, oh, she's this, is, and a lot of people just believe garbage about somebody that's so beautiful and smart. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so she, then we go back to the present, and we have the poor, the poor girls are kidnapped, and who does Tim go to for help? Who is Ray's? So Ray's is Tim's best friend. Um, so they've been uh, working in this M2 outfit for a while, um, and it's uh, a, a bunch of misfits. So um, Stryker and Ray's and Angie's sister, Sam, Samantha, Sam, um, all belong to this um, this team, this special ops team, and they all have something a little bit off about them. So in kind mm-hmm. of the pre-9-11 time, they really wouldn't have been accepted into the special ops, but um, they were in the Air Force together. And they, um, so Stryker uh, is, he's got OCD from a traumatic childhood, and Ray's has PTSD, and Samantha is, yeah, and Samantha is, um, she's one of those charming people who can't commit to anything um, and likes to gamble. So each of them has some sort of societal challenge, um, but together they they make a really good team, and because Sam is Angie's sister. Um, she's, you know, just as freaked out or more um, than Stryker, and uh, is an integral part of helping track down where her sister is is at. So we have Angie and Zoe, and where are they kept, and what happens to Zoe, and why? I mean, there has to be some kind yeah. of an unfortunate thing in a, in a book. Yeah. So. Um, so they actually are kidnapped and taken to an island um, along with a, a third friend, um, and uh, and Zoe is murdered from at the start. Yeah. You know when they're kidnapped, um, 
And so uh, Angie and, and the third friend, um, along with both of their daughters, are taken to um, an island somewhere off the coast of Italy. And that's what Stryker's trying to find because there's thousands of little islands out there in mm. the Mediterranean. And uh, so he's at first he doesn't even know it's an island. He has no idea where they're at. Um, but from Angie's perspective, uh, which is, you know, half of the story is told from from her perspective. So she's, you know, she wakes up first in this boat and then in this cell and is trying to figure out, you know, how to get off the island because she doesn't really care to swim. And even if she did, she has no idea which direction to go. The island is far enough off the coast that she can see no landmass. So the women are, um, they're uh, forced into cooking and cleaning for the men. And so she schemes with the cook. And the cook, for my readers mm-hmm. who've read the, the Van Ops thriller series, um, uh, is uh, the, the Russian ambassador to India who um, is uh, prominently featured in the second book in the Van Op series, which is called Solstice Shadows. So there's a, a tie-in here from the uh, Van Op series into Cleopatra's Vendetta, and the the cook, um, Zola, ends up uh, having um, a, a pretty strong um, bit to play toward the end of the novel. That's all I'll say because I don't want to do any spoilers. But um, but yeah, there's a, there's a fun little tie in there, and uh, Zola and Angie um, end up um, scheming together to to try to get off the island. Well, all they would have to do is taste my cooking, and those guys wouldn't have a chance to live. Seriously, <laughs> they would be. Um, I mean, they don't even let me near a stove. Please, there's this reason for that, but that's beside the point. And my husband cooks; otherwise, forget it. And it's uh, they don't even yeah. let me near a micro. They don't even let me near a microwave. Cause, Not you know, even you near a in, microwave. No, because I just put it in there and I go like, oh wait a minute, it's supposed to only go for ten seconds. Oh well, a minute. What uh-huh. can I say? I burnt another one. So it's it's wise <laughs> that yeah, they, I, I would have had them gone in a minute. So. Let's go back to my Cleopatra. I feel seriously. Yeah. Linking to Cleopatra, who's behind the kidnappings and what's the captain's goal? I mean, seriously, how would you want to hurt Cleopatra? <laughs> well, so, you know, Cleopatra dies 2,000 years ago, right? Um, mm. And from from her own hand, uh, historians believe. Um, but whether or not that was from a snake or or poison, has been a point of historical contention for yeah. a really long time, thousands of years, actually. And so um, I, I play with that uh, in the novel. And the um, the men who kidnap uh, Angie and um, Zoe and their friend, uh, they are descendants of... Um, in a way, of Octavian. So Octavian, in my fictional world, uh, was part of this cult called the Sons of Adam. And Mm -hmm. this cult has been around from before the time of Octavian and has continued to this day. And so all of these guys on the island are part of this cult. And uh, they have um, a mission that they're all dedicating their lives to, and part of that involves uh, kidnapping people. And they... uh, and they have been trying to find Cleopatra's treasure because one of their spies about the time that she was uh, killing herself 
recognized that she had spirited away a treasure. And they don't know what that treasure is, but they want it before anybody else can get it. So the the novel is about the the quest for her treasure. Um, you know, both sides have slightly different motivations for wanting it. Um, Stryker wants the treasure because he believes it will contain the location of where his wife is. Uh, and the kidnappers want the treasure because they think that there might be something in there that could harm them. And they they want it before anyone else can get their hands on it. So it's um, a bit of a treasure hunt. Well, we won't tell them what happens. So tell us about Antonio and Jane, and why did they blindside Ray? You see, they were not very nice either. Yeah, so um, for our listeners out there, Antonio is the son of the the basically the captain of the Sons of Adam. Mm. And he was raised on this island um, with his cousin Jane. And so Jane was about to be um, sold when she was uh, a teenager to someone, you know, kind of married off. Mm -hmm. And Antonio didn't really care for that plan. So he helped Jane escape off of the island, and Jane never forgot that. And when um, the M2 team starts to track down who all of the um, uh, assassination um, you know, victims have been killed by. Uh, Jane is working for MI6 in in England. Uh, that's where she's landed, and she and Antonio have kind of kept in touch over the years. And so she sees the fingerprints of the Sons of Adam all over this mm. string of assassinations, and she still feels very loyal to Antonio. So she. Um, in her in her loyalty, she um, she goes along with this mission uh, to see if it really is the sons of Adam that's behind everything. And then when it it is, um, then she has to make some some very difficult choices because in the meantime she's fallen in love with Ray's. So she's caught between a rock and a hard place mm. because her heart's been frozen for a long time and, and Ray's has made her, you know, her her heart warm and and yet, you know, the man that she loves is uh, you know, trying to take down a man from her youth and she's a very loyal sort. So so she's really caught in the bind. So that's one of the more she's, dramatic scenes in the novel. That comes there's to a whole bunch of them people. So now this gets mm-hmm. interesting because they're looking for artifacts. So did they find any? And who is Maddie? They actually found something. They didn't, I'm not going to tell you if they found the treasure, but they did find artifacts. What, were they, what did they find and um, how valuable were they? Yeah, so they so they did find some artifacts. I'm, I can't reveal what they find at the end. No, I can't tell the way, them that. They, we can't tell them that because that's, you know, that's the big the big kahuna at the end, but um, but they do mm. find some things along the way. One of the more interesting things that they find is um, a gold coin uh, with mm. Cleopatra's image on it, and um, they find that when they're uh, searching for some artifacts um, at a place that her tomb might actually in real life be at. There's a a real-life archaeologist who's looking for Cleopatra's tomb, um, I don't know how far west of, of um, Cairo, 
maybe uh, an hour west. Uh, so there's um, an archaeologist from New Zealand that has been excavating all of these tunnels, and so I used that in another one of my dramatic scenes where the good guys and the bad guys um, conflict and there's a really interesting action scene in one of those tunnels. Um, but uh, the artifact that they find while they're there is, is a coin, and the person who has the coin is a descendant um, of the spy that Cleopatra um, uh, used in, in her final mission, and she gave him a couple of coins um, to, uh, to help his family because she had him join her in the afterlife. And so the... The coin is is pretty neat. Um, Samantha's last name is Coin, so she's been fascinated mm. by coins her entire life, and so she and this this other woman kind of bond over this coin, and she's able to get some clues um, from the coin about the possible location of the the gold journal. Um, so the gold journal that they're looking for is um, is a fictional artifact. Um, but uh, is is based in some of the research that I've done about mm. what um, you know a, a gold journal from the time might have looked like. Um, so so yeah, that's kind of kind of neat. I really love all that uh, that historical stuff. Well, I look up historical stuff. I have to tell you, I do. Yeah. When I get a historical novel like Cleopatra or anything like that, I usually look it up just to see. You know, to learn more about the person, so that I know what I'm reading and I know what I'm, what's real, what's fiction, what's not. So, uh-huh. she's smart. How and how and why does she get some freedom, and what happens that changes it all for her and Antonio? She's got guts. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah. So, so these women are on this island, and because mm. there's really nowhere to go, some of the women, you know, try to swim off, but they end up, you know, washing up on shore. Um, yeah. And. Uh, so the men, um, you know, let them loose, so to speak, to cook and clean. And when Angie and, and Zola conspire, um, Zola makes arrangements for Angie to be able to clean the commandant, um, who's the captain mm-hmm. that we were talking about earlier, the head of the Sons of Adam. Um, she's able to clean his his house and his office. And so she finds some material uh, on Antonio's mother that um, that Antonio is not aware of, that the commandant has been hiding from Antonio his whole life. So we get uh, yet another very dramatic scene toward the end where um, Angie confronts Antonio with this information um, that his father has been lying to him his whole life. And so she's able to, um, she's, she tries to get Antonio to turn on his father. And again, I don't think we want to, you know, let people know whether or not she's successful in that, but it is Mm -hmm. a a very um, dramatic scene with, you know, a lot of great conflict between um, Antonio and his father. Now I have something different. Now she learns about the possibility of an assassination of somebody. We're not going to say who. And the new Mm -hmm. Saudi Saudi prince, how how does he change how women were treated before... Oh, he's killed. I felt so bad for him because he was actually trying to do something good, and he got stuck in the back. (laughs) This is almost as if they want to get, like what's really going on in the news with the Taliban and stuff. I wish those women would actually destroy them 
because they deserve the right to speak out and go to school and everything. So and that and yes. that bothers me. Um, I guess yes. I have and by Rand, I, I would never, I could never sit quietly. So there's going to be an assassination. They try to assassinate somebody. So how did the Saudi prince before he died? What did he try to do for women? And I hope they don't yeah. kill the person they said they're going to kill. <laughs> yeah. So the um, the Saudi prince, um, it's the the story kind of reveals this in kind of an interesting way. So um, Ray's sticks around Saudi Arabia for a day or so after Stryker heads back to find out what's going on with Angie, and um, Ray's steps outside. Um, the hotel that he and Stryker have been staying at. He's got an appointment over at the embassy. And when he steps outside, he steps into um, a sea of women all wearing black, and they're marching silently carrying signs um, mm. like divorce is a human right, for instance. Um, and he's he's confused at first, you know, like, what does this have anything to do with the assassination of the prince? What's going on here? So you've got all these women that are protesting, and it takes him a minute to realize that the prince had been instrumental in all sorts of um, progressive reform in the country, including, um, you know, trying to get women the right to drive, the right to even drive a moped, mm. the, the right to, you know, go out in public without, you know, a man present, um, that sort of thing. And um, the um, and so, um, you know, we find out later that, uh, you know, well, I'm not even sure we want to say that. But so the the mm. prince was um, he was instrumental in um, in reforms for the country, uh, even you know possibly allowing um, you know people to visit some of the, there's like a an old Catholic church outside the city that Ray's would like to go visit um, and um, so the so the prince was into reform and. Uh, so, you know, was he murdered because of that or not? Um, so that's that's one of the one of the burning questions of the novel. But, you know, it was interesting because I wrote this before what's going on in Iran. And it sounds yeah, that's like sad. You know, you're. Yeah, it's it's really sad. You know, these women and men who are being, you know, brutally killed by the Iranian regime. I know. Um, it's because, you know, the women don't want to wear something on their heads. Um, and But I think it's more than that. I think that's a symbol of, you know, the women wanting equal rights. And so I, I, I wish the best for... Um, all of those women, and like you said, the the women in Afghanistan who can no longer go to school. Um, so yeah. the the novel touches on these these things, you know, in kind of a historical context. What's really sad is that people, kids, even kids and grown-ups today, don't realize how lucky you are to be here, and to a point uh, that you get these freedoms. That that's what that's mm-hmm. what drives me crazy is that. I mean, I went to school. I graduated with a whole bunch of degrees. I graduated recently with another one because I love school. And people look oh, at me like, "How could, how could you, how could you want to go to school very easily?" Because school is power. And that's what my students knew. Mm-hmm. And I said, "That's your power to get whatever you want when you get older. The more education you have, the more power and choices you make." And I obviously did a good job because they were on Facebook telling me I'm wonderful. 
which is really and, and and they were the I taught in a tough school in a really bad area in the Bronx and I'm five feet tall uh-huh. I weigh 102 pounds and nobody messed with this girl it was amazing <laughs> they didn't uh-huh. just like and then I be, yeah I, I I got tough and it's amazing yeah. because you you can't they 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 just they they just wanted to learn they ate up education and not enough people do so uh-huh. how does Tim finds Angie, and what happens to the men that cause the deaths? And who is Reno Harper and Lydia? I'm I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last part of your question. So how does who Tim find Reno, Angie? And then who what? Who is Reno Harper and Lydia? What about them? Okay, so um, so Reno is the third friend. We talked about Angie and her two sorority friends that she mm-hmm. was having drinks with that day. And uh, Reno and Lydia are um, Angie's other friend and daughter. And so Angie's daughter and Reno's daughter um, are, are good friends, and they've been hanging out while the adults mm-hmm. have been doing the the wedding thing. So Reno is a, um, she's a kind of, of uh, English descent, uh, has some freckles. She's very pale. And um, she, um, some, some not so great things happen to her. She, so one of the things that the men do is they starve the women to make them more cooperative. And mm. Reno, in the process of trying to get some food, she reaches out for some fruit and uh, gets her hand stabbed, and then she gets punished for, for this, um, you know, just trying to eat thing. Um, so um, so Angie and, and Reno are able to stay in touch, um, you know, because their cells are, you know, a few cells apart. So they're able to, to stay in touch, um, you know, while they're being imprisoned on this, on this island. Um, so, um, yeah, so the whole story is about, you know, can Stryker rescue them? Uh, and uh, so that's kind of where the the dramatic ending occurs is, uh, you know, is, is Stryker able to find their location? You know, um, is he able to, to get a, a team to go to go after the women? Um, and then does anything bad happen, you know, during the during the rescue attempt? So it's it's a pretty when fun I, novel. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of how it all kind of came together. Well, it's really kind of odd that how it came about. I received an email from um, one of my favorite tours, Isabella Blackthorn, Blackberry Tours. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. They said that you wanted me. You wanted the interview, and they said you wanted me to review the book. I I don't, I'm very fussy, and they know that. And I won't review uh-huh. just everything. I'm very funny about that. I have to read print. That's the reason I won't say it on the air, but it has to be print. And uh-huh. it's, it's amazing because I they just they, they just email me and say, don't worry about it. You don't have to ask the books in the mail. And I go like, what? I don't want, how do you know I want to even <laughs> read it? I, I've gotten some very interesting stuff <laughs> to read. And I'm uh-huh. like, yeah. But to be very honest, if a book isn't four and a half, five stars, or at least four stars, I won't review it. I'll just write a summary. Mm-hmm. And I will never, yeah. ever, ever write a negative review because I've been the recipient of a whole bunch of my, not the book I did, not the book that I just got that just came out two weeks ago, but the one before it because nobody quite understood what I was trying to say. What can I say? Mm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, Population Zero is about nine worlds that I created that you wouldn't want to live in. A world of ice, a world of darkness, a world of mist, a world of water, no water, 
world of desert. And I said, if you and I invited a dead person to come back and experience the world, and I was hoping that uh-huh. you would want to want to be happier in this one. It was very simple. Mm-hmm. All I wanted people to do is to appreciate the world that we live in now. They didn't quite get it. So right, the contrast. Yeah. 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 So. Now yeah. we have the com- commandant. Why did he turn on his son? Mm. So, you know, earlier you asked about, uh, you know, how Angie was able to get Antonio, yeah. um, you know, uh, to think about, um, you know, fighting his father. Mm. And so we've got uh, that rather dramatic scene toward the end where Angie confronts Antonio um, and and uh, tells him that his father's been lying to him his entire life. And so the, the commandant, uh, when he's confronted by his son, just gets incredibly angry. And uh, so they, they have a, a very, um, it's, a, it's a physical fight even, um, you know, a huge confrontation between the two men. And uh, Angie, you know, just kind of looks on while these, you know, two men go at each other um, mm. because of the information she's, she's uncovered. And, you know, Antonio feels betrayed and his father, you know, feels like, um, you know, he's been trying to keep this information from his son for his son's own good, you know, type thing. Um, so both men have their own perception of, you know, how things should be and should have been. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I tend to side with Antonio a little bit, the commandant's. Um, he's he's the, you know, the true bad guy in the story. He's He's got some, some um, disturbing uh, belief systems about how the world should be. And uh, Antonio, throughout the whole story, um, he he questions the beliefs of the sons of Adam, and the the means to which um, his his father uh, stoops to in order to advance the group's goals. So you know, I think you can see that through Antonio's life when he's young, and and uh, you know faces his father's wrath to help Jane escape the island. Um, and then later, you know, it comes to a head when the two of them argue over this information that uh, that Angie has found while while cleaning the commandant's um, rooms. Well, before I forget, Monday we've got Dick Belsky, New York Times author Vincent Zandri, Bruce Coffin, and award-winning author Charles Salzberg, and we're going to talk about. Who do you write about? Who do you write like in the past? Do you write like Agatha Christie, Ellery Queen, Monk, or somebody else? What's your style? Or do you have your own? Or whatever the, whatever they want to talk about. Millie, it's okay. We have New York Times author T.G. O'Connor's brand new book, The Hemingway Deception, on the 23rd. On the 27th, the one of the most adorable books, Sanders' Agreement, is absolutely precious by Derek McGavin. On the 1st, we have Greenleaf Murders. And on the second, Invitation to a Mom. The girl is writing a story about inviting her mom to get a blind date so she'll stay out of her way when she's dating somebody else. She wants the mother to be busy. It's a great lineup. Great lineup. Yeah. And then on the 6th of March, Vincent Zandri is going to talk about his Moonlight series, and I've got a whole lot more. My show's booked till the end of June, people. So if you have an interview, you have a book coming out or anybody, you better tell me because May's almost done, and I only have a couple more days left in June, and I don't do anything in July. I take the month off. 
I'm entitled to a little bit of a vacation if they let me. So this this is an important issue that takes place in the, in the prologue, in the beginning of the book. Why is the issue of sex trafficking as old as in the past as in the novel begins? And why is it still happening today? They can't even stop it. Yeah, it's a huge multi-billion dollar business, isn't it? Um, yep, it is. And, and yeah, um, I'm not sure why they can't stop it or really how old it is. Um, mm. You know, I think if you go back, um, you know, far enough, we had cultures in which women were respected, and I suspect, you know, during those um, time periods that, uh, you know, women were not um, raped and pillaged and trafficked in the same way that they are today. But for the last several thousand years, uh, you've had, um, uh, I think it comes down to sort of a a deep cultural lack of respect for women. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever you don't have um, respect for an entire gender or an entire race, um, you end up uh, having cultural um, ways that that shows up, right? So, um, you know, it's not just sex trafficking, but it's it's rape, it's sexual violence against teens, it's um, it's mm-hmm. uh, fathers molesting their daughters, it's um, it's it's pervasive in in our culture this um, this lack of respect and um, and it's uh, you know it's 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 horrifying for a lot of men and for women, right? Um, you know, and it's uh, violence perpetuated by a small percentage of the male population, um, but it's devastating to anyone that's ever been affected by it, you know, in any way, shape, or form. Um, sexual trafficking also happens to some men, and human mm-hmm. trafficking happens to men all the time, usually for, you know, usually young men for labor, Right. But trafficking mm-hmm. itself is is, um, you know, gender blind. But um, and sex trafficking, I think um, I don't know the statistics, but there are some young men who are sex trafficked as well. Uh, so it's it's a huge worldwide issue. And, you know, it's one of those I'm glad and sad to see things like in airports, you know, posters mm-hmm. now when I travel that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you know someone or see someone or whatever, here's the phone number to call, and they have all these different languages. Um, so, but uh, I think until we really address the the cultural, um, you know, respect issues, and until we, as a culture, uh, really have more education around emotional intelligence. I'm just going to make a plug here for emotional intelligence mm-hmm. because I think that's part of what happens is that um, when people don't know how to deal with their own emotions, um, mm-hmm. they get uh, angry, sad, um, uh, spiteful, hateful, whatever, and then they tend to act out um, you know, out of this uh, negative emotional sink without thinking um, or without, uh, you know, uh, taking time to, to get back to a more centered place. They, they teach us to read, write, um, and do arithmetic, but they don't teach us how to be happy. Uh, so 
you know, and, until we as a as a culture um, are are able to find ways to uh, make our own hearts sing, uh, I think that we're going to you know continue to see the um, the the rainbow of violence um, that we continue to see today. So in, in my, you know, opinion, a lot of these issues come from the lack of emotional intelligence um, and the, the cultural remnants of, um, you know, the, the patriarchy and the thinking that, you know, I'm entitled to do whatever I want to whoever I want, you know, including mm-hmm. the earth, right? Um, so I think, you know, big picture wise, um, and I do see it changing, you know, oh my gosh, in our lifetime, we've seen uh, an incredible um, array of change, haven't we? You know, from I witnessed the civil rights as a child, um, gay rights, women rights, um, and just the, it's certainly not where it needs to be, but oh my gosh, in the last 50 years, we've come a long way, baby. Well, I, I know from teaching in the tough school, and I know the the kids were not prejudiced, and I'm the only white. I was, they were all African-American or Spanish or whatever, and they would look uh-huh. at me and they go, we can't figure out what you are. I go, I'm a person. That's what I am. Mm-hmm. I said, and I'm here right. to make your life happier. I, You know, you have to notice in schools, too. If you have a student that's normally well-behaved and all of a sudden starts to act out, do something about it. Find out why. Mm-hmm. Take them aside because that's something in their family that happened. And I know yep. if you have a student that's usually a pain in the neck, and I didn't have any of those, mm-hmm. they wouldn't even think to do. They would not do that to to the queen now. And I would tell them, you know, <laughs> if, if if somebody that is like you know scoochy or whatever, I go, okay, what's the matter? What's wrong? What happened? You've got to be more aware. I mean, I walk in the yeah. street today. Nobody says hi, ever. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. No one says, the mm-hmm. kids say hi, and they wave at me, and they go, you look so cool because your hair's in different, my hair's different colors, purple, red, right green, on. magenta, yeah, highlights, all different ones, uh-huh. and yeah. people are not the same. And then some of these men think that they, because they have inferiority complexes, that they can get one over and do whatever they want in order to make themselves feel big. So, final question. This is a good one. If Cleopatra okay. were here today, what would she say if she was alive today to people to fight for who they are and to prove that who she was was very, very special? And she's going to, you know, run for president. You never know. So what would she say to us if she was alive today? You know, I think that she would invite us to look at the long history that we have mm-hmm. as a species, right? Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. history has a tendency to repeat itself. And I think she would um, advise us to look back um, to thousands of years before she was born even um, to see what we could learn from the people that lived in those times um, and to uh, take a look at um, what her enemies did to her in terms of propaganda and look at the history of propaganda. Mm-hmm. That's another theme in this novel that we yeah. haven't really um, had an opportunity to discuss um, because the um, she, her enemies used propaganda to make her look bad. And mm-hmm. in our culture today, 
propaganda is being used all around us all the time, right? Um, on yep. both sides of the political aisle, um, on um, you know the east and the west, right? Everybody's trying to get a piece of you know you as the individual, um, and so I think that she would um, tell people to um, be judicious about what they think about about when someone is trying desperately to change your mind about something. Mm. Just stop and 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 look at your sources. Right. Um, You know, take your time to make up your mind about what you want to think about, you know, so if I'm speaking for Cleopatra, take your time to think about what you want to think about me. You know, do your research. You know, was I a harlot or was I the most kick-ass woman ruler ever? You know, you do your research. You decide. Don't let anybody else tell you what to think, whether that's your parents, your church, your politicians. You know, you decide to think what you want to think. So I think that's what she would encourage us to all do is to take our time find our heart and check in with ourselves to see what um what what we want to believe i agree because i don't believe half of what people tell me and i you're right i research everything and somebody said something to me the other day i said if i ever believed you i said i really have a problem because mm-hmm. I don't believe anything. Yeah, you have to. So what is next for you, and where can everybody get uh, learn more about you and your work? Yeah, so uh, everybody, my name is a little bit hard for people to remember, so I created a mirror site called vanops.net, and people can remember that pretty easily. It's just vanops.net. Mm-hmm. People can head over there to learn all about Cleopatra. They can watch a, they can watch a trailer um, see if they want to check it out on audio or whatever format they want, um, and they can learn more about my other books. Um, right now I'm working on a fourth Van Ops novel, um, as well as something that's a little bit different, kind of a prison break heist type of thing. So I've got uh, oh, two nice. different books that I'm I'm mulling around in my head. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been so this much a pleasure. Really, this this has really been interesting. I got really nervous when I didn't realize that you were, you thought it was on Zoom. No, this is Blog Talk Radio, and um, I'm thank God I'm thanking God that I was able that the phone link came out because yesterday, unfortunately, I think the author accidentally disconnected her phone. It was like, oh my God, not again. And yeah, so this this went over really well. This is really interesting, everybody. Um, I would suggest that you go out and get a couple of copies for the book. After all. Um, Mother's Day is coming. Easter's coming. Presents are great every, everywhere, all the time. Um, your novel is headed for my. I have a specific physician. I don't have to see him. Um, my physician calls me and says, "My wife would like to know when you're bringing me books." I'm serious. Ah. I'm serious. Okay. It's hilarious. He actually called one night and said. I know you read a lot of books. Um, my wife would like all of them, so I've got another 30 that I read in the last two weeks. So, uh, Dr. Uh-huh. Marmelstein, I'm going to bring those. This is going to be included. He's going to want to read it because he likes history. So yeah. that, that that's an honor in itself. So thank you so much. This has been great. Everybody, have a great day. Think positive. And when you walk outside, smile and say good morning to people. Have a great day, and bye. <laughs> thank you, Fran.